about an hour ago, I finished a book. And it's been a while since I've finished a book within 24 hours since I've started one, which leads me to the topic that I want to talk about today. And in short, I want to talk about reading, everything to do with it from have I always loved reading? You know, what are the books that we should be picking up in order to read? How is it that you can reach a reading goal? You know, everything about it. I'm not going to talk only about book recommendations, though I do have a few, but I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory for me to just focus on what gets us reading, the things that I've realized throughout the years when it comes to reading. I've been thinking about this recently and how my kind of interactions with books and reading, whether it's paperbacks, ebooks, whatever it is, whatever form it may be, has changed over time and has evolved as I've evolved and my understanding of reading from university to now. I want to start by just addressing that I've always loved reading. I think, I don't know, when you grow up with minimal screen time, you tend to kind of entertain yourself by bringing a book. I used to go to family dinners and my kind of entertainment, because I sucked at communication as a kid, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, I was not the most expressive child. And so I would just kind of take mealtime as kind of like my downtime where I can just kind of, I don't know, doodle or read or draw. Um, I'm sure this annoyed my dad to the maximum, but um, my way of compromising not being on my phone was I would bring a book to the dinner table if we were eating dinner outside and we had to wait for the food a lot, which tend to be always. And I always loved reading. I used to read in the dark and I still do. This is terrible, but I do. I read on my e-reader and it lights up so I can read in the dark. But as a kid, I always read on my phone um, in dark mode or on my iPod, I should say. I always read, I always read on my iPod. Um, and this traces back to like even embarrassing websites like Wattpad and books are expensive, you know, and when you're a kid, you're just trying to find ways to read books. And Wattpad was one of those free sites. But there was a period of time where most of storytelling I would find there. And so I've always loved reading. Have I always loved reading consistently? Not really. Um, there was a point in time where my reading rhythm just took a really large dip into just kind of the pits of despair of just me getting sucked into other distractions. And I would like to point out, as a secondary English teacher, I really couldn't find myself to enjoy reading proper published books when I was in my last few years of school. I found it really tricky. I felt like every time I read a book, it had to be super formal or I had to... It just reminded me of 
what a terrible reader I thought I was at the time. I think entering uni, I was also terrified that I was a terrible reader. And so like we kind of had this rift. I don't know at what point. It was funny. I think I tied a lot of my identity with my ability to read. And I felt like reading a book was one of the worst things and the worst skills that I had. Um, To this day, I think I just realized there is no kind of linear way to read a book for me. I can't just speed through a book. I have to pause. I have to trace back. I have to, I don't know, skip ahead a little bit, skim, but then go backwards. Like it's not like if we were to associate reading a book with just kind of like a linear passage of time or like a forward direction or movement, I'm like constantly jumping all over the place. And so that's just kind of how I read. But I didn't realize that we all had different reading speeds or reading styles like until I reached university. Um, So I've always loved reading. I mean, the types of books that I love to read were fiction, fiction books. Something that comes to mind is like City of Ember. When I was in middle school, I used to read that book over and over and over again. And I think I read that book after I watched the movie and I realized there was a book. And I will say now, I think it's so helpful for when you're growing up, when you're reading and you get to see like a visual representation of a book side by side. Like you get the movie, you get the book. I've only just recently realized the value of that um, in terms of understanding a book. And then I think at some point I just sucked at reading. And in university, when I first joined university, I was trying to still grasp the edges of reading. I think I read a lot of fantasy series when I was in my first year of university. Um, like I sped through like a bunch of series. We used to have like a book fair here and obviously because of the pandemic, it hasn't really gone through as smoothly in the past few years, but I remember buying a bunch of hard copy books and just, you know, bringing them home and reading and speeding through them during summer breaks and trying to reach a specific amount or a specific goal. The highest my reading goal has ever gotten is recently. And I will get to that later. Yeah, like I would speed through them. Entering university, I took a lot of courses that weren't necessarily contemporary fiction or um, science fiction or a lot of these books, save for a few, um, were like statues of time. And I will say that at some point I did develop some kind of distaste towards reading modern fiction if you want to call it that I would put modern in air quotes which you know in hindsight is ridiculous and classics are great when you reach university I don't know about the accessibility of them when you are let's say a middle school student or you're just trying to get through high school on that subject let's move towards I feel like I have to talk about how I warmed up to Shakespeare um in the most kind of so growing up in school I was never great at the course readings or the class readings at all. Um, Something about school and my inability to be self-aware at the time with my learning style or, or whatnot, or even recognizing that I had my own learning style, is I sucked at every single reading that I was given. And this 
didn't matter if it was fiction or nonfiction. Girl just couldn't read for some reason. I mean, I could read, right? But I just, I couldn't dig into the flesh of the tech. There's something about it that just wasn't accessible to me and I will still never figure out why or how that was. Um, but I sucked at reading and especially like a lot of students and a lot of kids, and I know I'm not the only one, I sucked at reading Shakespeare. Shakespeare, despite what Sparks Notes says, was so scary to me because I was supposed to know what something meant, but I couldn't even shuffle the order of these words or even just come to the realization that these are words. I know now, right, Shakespeare is actually meant to be performed. So just reading it off the page was just not helpful for me. That was my background with Shakespeare. I always sucked at it. There was a block when it came to my brain and Shakespeare. And then I went to university and my second year of university, I was choosing my electives. And you know how course registration, doesn't matter what uni you go to, where you are in the world, but course registration is the worst experience you can have in terms of stress levels or one of the worst experiences you can have with stress levels because they're timed they have priorities set for certain year level students you have to make sure you get the courses you want you have to map out what courses you want they're just really stressful for me for my second semester i think this is my second year or my third year i don't particularly remember what i don't know somewhere in between my uni years i took a shakespeare course because there weren't any other spaces in other electives and this was the only elective left and i remember thinking to myself i just i need to take an elective i have way too much room in my timetable right now we need to fill it up we need to make sure that we do an elective i add shakespeare to my quote unquote cart and i enroll and I'm thinking already, you know, oh my God, this is a challenge. I, oh, I'm so scared. I'm petrified. This is a whole Shakespeare course. Okay, I feel stereotypically English major now. I'm taking a Shakespeare course. I cannot be more English major than this. And part of that entire course was just me rewiring and detangling the fear that I've somehow associated with reading Shakespeare. And it got me thinking a lot about like why it's so important that we find a sense of connection with the books or the stories that we are reading in order to continue building that understanding for a book or the momentum to keep going to read the book. Was it easy for me to read Shakespeare? No. But it did teach me a lot of patience with reading, how it's okay to go back to the previous page. It's okay to look at footnotes, pause, look at footnotes, pause again, look at more footnotes. Yeah, I think that entire course subconsciously, I was learning how to be patient with myself when it comes to reading a text that I might find more difficult or inaccessible or just not knowable in terms of at a glance and... I distinctly remember writing my final paper for that Shakespeare course and I think it was on King Lear and it was on monstrosity and how monstrosity is associated with, you know, this the daughters of King Lear. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm enjoying writing this essay so much. I don't know. It's because I found intrigue, I think, in assessing morally gray areas of a character. And for that specific book, I really liked reading about monstrosity and associating you know theories about it and stuff with the book that I was reading and it was because I had the resources and I had the accessibility to these resources that made my reading of this Shakespeare play so enjoyable and I think otherwise it would have been just 
terrible. And so if anything, I think I learned that reading is meant to be accessible. And if it's not accessible, you know, you don't owe it to anyone to enjoy the book or to even be interested in this book. No one can make you like a book if you don't, right? Like, that's just a fact. It's so simple. Like, if I don't like this book and there's no way for me to like this book, then I just won't. Or maybe I'm a stubborn reader. I don't know. But I can dislike a book and see the worth in it at the same time. I think that's another conversation. But I think that was one of the first experiences I had with reading being accessible and me realizing that depending on how you read, a book will transform or a genre can transform to be worthwhile to you and for you to really enjoy it. Obviously, I didn't like every single book I read. I think it was in the papers that I was able to kind of have closure with a book I didn't like. It's surprised people around me before when I said I'm a terribly slow reader. I process things a lot slower, not because of any reason that I can think of other than I just don't, I I can't glance at something and instantly be able to talk You know, like it's not the same for me as it might be for a majority of people. And sometimes I need to get in the zone, you know, like now this kind of leads me to my next kind of thing I wanted to talk a little bit about. I have optimal reading conditions for when I read and I'm sure everyone does. I have several and I kind of switch between them. Um, One of them is that I need some kind of soundtrack or white noise in the background when I read, whether it's rainforest sounds or rain sounds or a fireplace. If I listen to a song that has lyrics, I need to loop the song so that the lyrics don't kind of infuse with the words on the page that I'm reading. I don't know. Recently, I've actually been able to read in every circumstance, which is a little bit insane. I think maybe because I've been so busy recently. Um, it's been a tough week. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, it's been a tough week. Um, for context, I'm recording this on Friday, which usually I do way before. Yeah. Lately I've been able to read in every circumstance or every situation, but I think sound is something that always affects how effectively I read or can intake the information that's on the page. Everyone has a momentum, right? Like an hour ago when I was finishing that book I finished today, um, I was supposed to kind of get up and, you know, make food and do all that. But I literally could not put my book down because I knew once I did, that's it. I'm not going to finish it today. And I really wanted to finish it today. I usually don't let myself form an opinion on the book as a whole book um, until I'm around like 30% in. I think that's like a good marker to kind of assess, you know, am I having a good time with this book? Am I enjoying the characters? Do I dislike the characters? You know, what is this world? I don't know. I I realize I have to take a book at my own pace um, and I've stopped being so hard on myself for not finishing a book in a day. I used to really focus on speed when I was in university because obviously there are so many readings and I just want to complete them. I also need to do the readings twice. That's the thing with me. For uni, I always read the material twice or three times, never once. If I had something to say about the material, it's because I read it twice or three times. There's just a lot of value in rereading something and I don't think people talk about this enough. I haven't heard it enough. It's okay to take a second read to be able to understand a book or a story. I used to always be tough on myself when I read really slowly. I would think, oh my gosh, this book is never gonna end. Like I'm never gonna finish it. For example, like Six of Crows. I love this book. I love the characters, but this was a book that took me a really long time and 
I don't remember who told me this, but I remember them saying fantasy is actually one of the more challenging genres to read because there's world building, there's a setup, there are rules in the world, there are characters that you have to get to know. Lee Bardugo likes to do the thing where she trusts the reader to piece things together. Um, And I think when I read Ninth House, I really, really took my time with that book um, because it was another book where I was just trying to learn everything. You're kind of just using every sense you have just to kind of map out the world yourself, everything. But yeah, we have optimal reading conditions, as I was saying. I had a lot of reader's guilt in, I think, the past couple of years. And I think in the past three years, I've been working really hard to read books that I enjoy just for the sake of enjoying reading. I've been reading a lot more um, kind of beyond academics. Why can't I phrase words today? I've been reading a lot more um, books outside of the academic realm. I will say now, I think that's the best decision I've ever made because I've fallen in love with reading again. We had kind of like a fallout and I've kind of befriended reading once again. Um, At the start of the year, I set a goal to read. I think it was 25 books and then 25 became 30. And then I noticed I was getting closer to the goal. So I changed it to 40 and now I'm at 46. And don't be alarmed because a lot of these books that I have read and especially at the start of the year sucked. I did not like them. I did not enjoy them. Um... But then out of the ones I didn't enjoy, you know, there were some that I really enjoyed. And so it's kind of like I've accepted the fact that I won't like every single book that I pick up. And there was one book that I didn't finish, but I read 50% of. And by then I was like, I, I literally cannot push through this anymore. I don't see myself enjoying the rest of it. And I want to enjoy my book and I don't want to stress about not enjoying it and so I just kind of put it down I just marked it as dnf and removed it from my list and it felt like a weight off my shoulders like that was a really good decision I haven't done that in years like I haven't ever marked a book as did not finish truthfully and confidently put it away or take it off my lists in years and to be able to do that (laughs) felt so good because I felt like Like, what the heck? Why am I being so hard on myself? Why are you being so hard on yourself? You know, like, I'm sure someone out there listening to this has reader's guilt like me as well and doesn't like to not finish a book. But there are times where, like, you are able to judge whether or not you want to spend your time on this book. Unless, you know, you want to say, I've read this book, then obviously that's when you kind of keep up with it, right? Yeah, I found a lot of peace with being able to put down a book on my own accord and say, I'm done with this world. I'm done with these characters. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, maybe at another time I'll revisit it if I really want to. But for now, I really don't see myself enjoying this. And so I'm just going to put it away and enjoy something that I want to enjoy. Obviously that's for leisure books. If you have to read something for a course, um, you might be proud of yourself for pushing through. You never know. One of the most difficult books I've ever read in university was a book that I actually did an essay on afterwards because it was required. We had to use the book and it was called Faux by Kitsia. And I, I applaud anyone who is able to read a book where there's a character there that they just do not like. Um, 
I found myself to really struggle with books where I don't like the character. And I know I'm not the only one because I've had this conversation. I find it so hard to continue when the perspective I'm reading from is from a person who is not just, it's not like they're unlikable in the sense of they have room to grow. It's more like they're just unlikable for unlikable reasons. And I find it really difficult to just keep going. Faux was one of those books where the main character just was not likable. I did not enjoy being inside her head for like few hundred pages. I don't know how long that book is, probably not a few hundred, but, and by the end of that book, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, thank goodness I am out of your mind, out of your head. I I need a moment to just look at a sunset or something. Like I wanna enjoy a few hours of my life. Maybe I try to immerse myself in a character when I'm reading, or maybe I just try to... Actually, you know what? Maybe I just can't focus on anything else but this character's point of view. And so when I'm kind of trapped inside a point of view that I really just don't care for, or I don't like, or I don't agree with, it's really hard for me to keep going. There's books you like, there's books you don't like. It's just a case of readership, really. That's that's what it is to be a reader. I want to talk a little bit about books and accessibility. Let's start with an example. Like, I don't know about anyone else, but when I was growing up, a lot of people made fun of the concept of fan fiction. Okay, I'm talking about a specific genre of fan fiction, really. Like, I'm talking about fan fiction about books that already exist, okay? That realm of fan fiction, not celebrity fan fiction. We are focusing on fan fiction that is derived from, let's say, existent characters or existent books. Fan fiction is actually a really good learning tool. I consider this, I think, when I first started teaching, but essentially it's great for practicing writing, but it's also great for understanding a book and a story discovering characters more deeply and having character studies and all that because one you're not creating a whole world by yourself from a new you're not starting from scratch um two you are doing the research for it you are searching up what this character is like how are they in character what makes them out of character whether you are a writer or a reader you are able to recognize that three you know the world is already there for you the rules are there you're literally just amplifying what you found maybe was a crumb of interest or intrigue in there that you wanted to explore further. A lot of the times fan fiction is a way to reread something, but I guess from a different perspective and it's not always reliable. Writers have their own preferences for what they want to write about and why they want to write about something. But most of all, this medium, this phenomena is accessible. And I think that's the most important thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's pages and pages of fanfiction out there. I don't think fanfiction writers get enough credit for the amount of understanding they have for a story that they are writing off of. It's not like they're discrediting the author either. It's like the most honest form of writing. Like you like something, you want to know more about it, you add an additional scene, you add a bonus feature. It's kind of like DVDs when they have bonus features, or at least they used to. I haven't bought a DVD in ages. I don't know why I'm bringing this up. In DVDs, they have like bonus features or like exclusive bloopers and stuff. You know, if you write maybe a funny fan fiction excerpt or a drabble, it could be like a blooper reel. 
it's like that. The fan fiction activity that people partake in is essentially an extension of the media and the stories that they love so much. Um, kind of like an extended limb of like hidden scenes, scenes people didn't get. It doesn't always have to be about romance. I think that's the most important part. Um, there are things like established friendships or just character studies or just trying to have closure for let's say a character's arc that never got closure. I think to limit and box fan fiction in the squareness of romance, that made no sense, is doing it a disservice for what it is in its nature, which is so vast, so colorful, so good, so vibrant, so rich. Yeah, I, I genuinely think fan fiction is not just romance, you know, and that's a really good thing. The world is your oyster, literally. It's, it can be anything. I'm not gonna ramble too on about it. There's so many aspects to it that I think people don't really consider, and they always like to just kind of see the, the mockery of it, which, you know, fair enough. I think there are some absurd tropes that have developed from fan fiction. I think back in like 20, 14 or or whatever it was whenever it was for the most part i think the activity in itself says a lot about how people like to read and how differently people read you know what you pick out in a writing piece is not going to always be the same as what someone else picks out a character you like might not always be a character that someone else likes um the hero that is the hero of the story may not be your hero of the story this is what scholars say is active reading on that note, recently I've been trying to read more. I think I'm at that point of reading where I will just read whatever I want and that's okay. I don't want to read canon literature just because it's canon. I feel like that is not necessarily the way I want to read. When was the last time you enjoyed a book, you know, just for yourself? Because I feel like if you have been reading as part of, let's say, your university degree or school or whatever it is, are you ever actually reading for yourself? Because I've only just recently started reading for myself. I hardly ever finish a book in public though, I will say. Um, I think the only book I ever finished in a public space, like a mall, and actually started crying afterwards was Song of Achilles. And this was, I think, in 2018. I just started bawling and I, I think it was just like a rush of a summary of everything. Like there's just one line in there um, at, near the end and I just it was a very specific line that I think Patroclus says to Thetis and it just it ruined me um, but that was like the last time I actually I think properly sobbed through a book like I, I, I cry when I read and consume media now but I hardly ever sob maybe it was just me not knowing how else to process it after reading them all at an Auntie Anne's in Thailand, by the way, this is like all the factors of where I read this book just are a mosaic of memory. But yeah, I just remembered like sobbing my eyes out and no one understood why. I mean, they understood I was reading a book and it was probably sad and that's why I was crying, but they couldn't experience it with me. So it just kind of looked like I was crying out of nowhere, which is fair. You know, we sometimes do that. 
I just finished reading Solitaire by Alice Oseman. I've been rereading the Heartstopper graphic novels. It's a proper comfort read, and maybe one day I'll talk about it in more detail. But Heartstopper, if you haven't read it yet or watched it yet, the soundtrack is amazing. The characters are so lovable. They go through so much growth, and the world is is so carefully entwined. That's a recent fiction world I've been enjoying. Um, but don't worry, maybe in about a week's time, I would have moved on to a different fictional world. I think I fiction hop. Is that a thing? I don't know. I've never been about hopping, but I think fiction hopping, maybe book hopping. Oh, I'm finding a list of books. Sorry. Give me a moment. I'm going to end this episode with just listing some of the books that I've read this year that I've pretty much enjoyed. I would say Portrait of a Thief was super fun um and it was really refreshing just to read like a heist plot with characters that I can so closely um connect myself with in various ways especially I think the character of Daniel oh my gosh that just ruined me this is funny so I'm looking back at some of these books and I cannot recall a single thing in in some of them I have a book on here that I've rated 2.75 to 3 stars, and I give no information for why, except for the fact that my experience was 2.75 to 3 stars. The Girl Who Fell Beneath the Sea by Axie O is so good. Um, Daughter of the Moon Goddess was really good too. I really enjoyed that. Tiny Moons, A Year of Eating in Shanghai by Nina Powell's um, was just it was like opening a cupboard or a pantry and finding all the ingredients for everything that you love to eat um that's all i'm gonna say on that and then i also read feelings a story in seasons was so healing and so calming for a picture book i think it was and i also read a couple of graphic novels actually i read the magic fish i read the tea dragon society squad so good Squad is such a good graphic novel. What else? What else? Give me more. Give me more. Ooh, there is a book on here that I've read. You know when you read a book that's so heartbreaking and so painful and you do rate it, you know, pretty high on the scale, but because of the contents of it and how painful it was, you actually wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Like if someone asked you, oh, was that a good book? You might be like, I mean, it was a book that I thought was worth reading and I did rate it pretty high but I would not recommend it I know I'm being really vague but there is a book on here I'm not gonna say what book but it is just a really heart-wrenching book that it is really popular would I read it again no um it was actually kind of unhealthy for me to think about this book for a long time I I did not enjoy my brain during this process it was those are some of the books on there. They're not all the books on there, but I didn't want to leave this episode without recommending a few on my read list this year so far. I am curious though. I'm always curious to know how people find reading more accessible for them. So what are their preferences? What's the environment that you like to read in? What are the genres you prefer? My friend Isabel has a lot of books that she 
likes in terms of historical fiction or historical nonfiction, I think, and she really enjoys those books. I tend to find those books more challenging for me to read. These are some thoughts I've had for quite a long time now, but I don't think I've actually ever verbalized it. I'm going to leave this episode here. Um, If you have a little library archive or a log and you want to scroll through some of the books you've enjoyed after listening to this episode and maybe reread some of them, that'd be really cool. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your time of your day. Have a lovely evening or morning or noon or whatever time it is. Or if you don't have a time, enjoy your liminal space. Thank you so much for listening. Wholeheartedly, Clara. <laughs>